We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4 this morning, as Chris read to you, verses 7 through 10. You know, normally I am an expositional preacher, and normally I like to take a book of the Bible and just start and go all the way through it. been doing that for years. Um, I'm going to stray away from that just a little bit, but I'm still going to rightly divide the Scriptures with you and just take sections of the Scripture. What I want to do, I told you a few weeks ago that it's been laid on my heart to really focus on discipleship this year. To really focus on trying to give you tools in your life and to teach you in such a way that you can apply the Word of God to your life and that you can actually grow in your faith. Instead of just coming to church and just hearing a sermon, um, you know what? I love going through the books of the Bible. I don't know about you, but I, I, I got so much joy going through the book of Isaiah and seeing the Lord Jesus in it, seeing our need for repentance and seeing our promised salvation and what He has done for us and the hope of heaven and, and the fear of hell even in it. But there are also things in the Bible that we have to learn from Him and we have to put them on and apply them to our life. This morning, I want to give you a, I'm going to just begin a series on fasting. <laughs> That's right, I said it. Yes, we are Baptist. We are not going charismatic. Uh, we're, we are still a Baptist faith. But fasting was something that the early church practiced. They practiced it pretty regular, as a matter of fact. It is something that because of what um, has happened to it over the years and the way people teach it, it became something that people were doing as a way to earn God's forgiveness and earn God's salvation. And how many of you know we can't earn anything by any good works that we do? Nothing. But because so many people feared what, how, how others were teaching it wrongly and using it wrongly, it has become a discipline that basically has left the church. And we don't hear much of it anymore. I want to make sure that we're teaching the whole counsel of God's Word. Amen? Amen. I mean, I really believe that this is such an important discipline that us lacking it is probably one of the primary reasons why the church today is so weak in the Spirit. And why we fall over and over and over again to the same sins. Anybody in here feel that this morning? You fall over and over again to the same things. And I really believe that this discipline that we're going to learn over the next few weeks, we are going to be able to help strengthen our spirit and weaken our flesh in such a way that we can actually truly become disciples of Jesus Christ and put on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will. Discipline is defined as training that is expected to produce a specific character or a pattern of behavior. So if you are disciplined in something, it is something that you are doing, some kind of training that you do, some kind of exercise that you do, because you're trying to produce either a specific character or a pattern of behavior in your life. And there is nothing that you are going to be good at without discipline. I don't care what it is. 
Anything you want to be uh, mature in and do well in, you are going to have to discipline yourself in order to make it happen. The problem with spiritual discipline is that the flesh is so full of bad habits and these bad habits have to be put off. Now you think about it, as the, if you've got your outline this morning, it's easy to do the things that are not good for us, right? It don't take discipline to lay on the couch, does it? You say, man, i gotta, I got to discipline myself to lay on the couch and watch some TV today. Anybody have to do that? i got to discipline, discipline myself to go home and take a nap after church. No, nobody has to do that, right? Ultimately, it's very easy for us to do the things that may not necessarily be, be beneficial for us, but it is very difficult to do the things that are beneficial for us, that are healthy for us. And so we have to discipline ourselves to do the things that benefit us. You think about things like um, sports. If your children are going to be good at sports, but they never practice, are they going to be good at any sport? If they never go out, if the coach never makes your baseball players go out and run the bases so that they are in shape enough to run without getting out of breath halfway to first base, if they're going to do that, they're going to have to be disciplined in order to become better at it. And I don't care what sport you're looking at. If you're going to play an instrument, you know, I love to listen to Chris uh, up here playing the guitar. I love to listen to them all, but I love finger-picking and the way that this, the, the beauty of it. And the, uh, I, loved, I loved anybody that is very good on the instrument. But they did not become that way by sitting on the recliner looking at the guitar going, I'm going to play you one day. No, I guarantee you if you ask him, he has picked that thing and played it so much that his fingers have bled. Is that true? He has developed calluses. His fingers hurt. His fingers cramp. Um, there are so many things that he probably would have rather done than come in and pick up the guitar and listen. He took lessons and he's learned from people. He disciplined himself to become good at that instrument. And if he didn't do that, he would not be as good as he is today. And if he wants to get even better, you know what he has to continue to do? He has to continue to discipline himself. Or if you think about things like getting good grades in school. Now, I was a... D student for the most part in school. Um, I didn't give much effort at all. Matter of fact, it's funny, I'm reading, I read books a lot. I'm reading a book right now that's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Don Whitney. So if you want to see some of what I'm coming from, I recommend that book to you. But ultimately in school, I read one book from kindergarten all the way to graduating high school. I read one book. Somewhere around the ninth grade, I read a book called Justin and the Best Biscuits in the World. <laughs> I never read Julius Caesar. I never read um, some of them other books that people had to write reports on. I don't know how in the world I passed anything because I never read nothing. I hated it. But I have learned the reason why I'm able to teach and the reason I'm able to preach and the reason why I understand the things I do today is because I discipline myself in my studies in the Word of God. I'm always growing. I'm always learning. And ultimately, if you are going to do that, whether it's in school or whether it's in the things of the Bible, um, you are going to have to discipline yourself to do it. And we could go on and on and on. You see the point that I'm making. 
We will never do anything well without certain disciplines in our life. And so Paul tells us here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, "...have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths." And here he was talking about the people that were teaching that you've got to abstain from these kind of foods to be righteous, and you've got to, um, you've got to accomplish um, uh, and be single, and you've got to forbid marriage. And you can go back and read those in the early parts of 1 Timothy chapter 4. But he says here, have nothing to do with those silly myths. But instead, here's what you're to do. Rather, train yourself. There is training that we have to do. If you really believe you're going to become a disciple of Jesus without some discipline and without training in your life, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not going to be a very good disciple. Now, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings this morning, but you know that's the truth, right? And so he says, rather than getting caught up in silly things that don't matter, you train yourself, and notice what this training is supposed to produce. Train yourself for godliness. Here's the purpose. You are to be disciplining yourself in your life in such a way that godliness is what is being produced. The fruit of fasting, prayer, study of scriptures, any spiritual discipline in your life, the fruit of it should always be more godliness. I'm drawing closer to God. I'm becoming more like God in Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us that this is the kind of discipline that that actually produces and that actually benefits. Look what he says next. He says in verse 8, For while bodily training is of some value... So he don't... For the, for, I know people that, man, they get in the gym, and I'm talking about... Now, now let me say this. 67% of people with a gym membership... Don't use it at all. 67% of people that have a gym membership don't use it. Anybody? No, y'all ain't going to embarrass you. Okay, I got one back here. But, but there are some that bodily exercise is so important to them that they will get in the gym, and I'm talking about they're go-getters. Right? Y'all know anybody like that? And they will develop their body and they will look fantastic. And Paul says here, you know, that that actually benefits a little bit. But look what he says next. Godliness, on the other hand, is of value in every way. So if you're going to be disciplined in something, you are to be disciplined in godliness. Because it is of value in every way. Look what he says next. Here's why it's in value in every way as it holds a promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Godliness, discipline in godliness and growing in godliness holds a promise. Not that you're working your way towards salvation, but that you see the evidence of Christ in your life. And as you see this evidence of Christ, as you see that you are growing in the things of God, you are able to look at yourself and understand, I'm following Him. I'm a disciple of Jesus because I see the fruit in my life. And he says that that is a promise for value in this present life. You'll see why here in a little bit, but the, the short take of it is this. The Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so there is promise of God's reward to some degree in this life now but especially in the life to come. 
And so the godliness and discipline in ourselves toward godliness is a value in every way because it promises eternal life as it proves your faith genuine. Now again, the purpose of spiritual discipline is to develop or to train to produce godliness. It's so that the new man inside of you is able to be developed. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I I didn't give them this verse so it won't be up there. But he says this, If anyone be in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. I guess I was wrong. They did have it up there. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. When you become a disciple of Jesus Christ by putting your faith and your trust in Him, God makes a new man inside of you. He makes a new heart and a new mind that you desire to follow Him. And He says the old at that point, it's passed away. It's forgiven, it's washed, it's cleansed. But the new, on the other hand, has come. And we have to develop that. This is what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Look what this says. To put on the new self. That's what we have to do. You see the command there? We have to put on the new self that God is creating. And notice that it is created after what? The likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So you have to put on the things of God. You have to put on the true righteousness. Jesus has paid it all. But you have the responsibility now as His disciple to put on these things and you have to discipline yourself in order to do that. This is what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24-27. through 27. Look what he says here. Do you not know that in a race... Everybody runs. All the racers are competing and they're all running. But only one receives the prize. So you run in such a way that you will obtain the prize. In other words, don't just run just to be running. You run in such a way. And notice how he says it. Every athlete exercises what? Self-control in all things. If he don't, if I sit at the all-you-can-eat buffet every day, chowing down on all I want to eat every day, all day, every meal, am I going to win very many races? No, I have to exercise self-control in all things. And if I don't, I may not win the prize, right? So they do it, they exercise self-control to receive a perishable wreath. But we, here talking about spiritual discipline, we do this to win an imperishable crown. And then look what he says in verse 26. So I do not run aimlessly. And I guess that's the question before we even get into fasting this morning. Are you running as a Christian aimlessly? You have no aim. You're not reaching for anything. You're not trying to apply any discipline to your life. You're not trying to put on righteousness and holiness. You're not trying to put on the new man. He said, Paul said, I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one that's just beating the air. But then look what he says in verse 27. But here's what I do. I do what? I discipline my body and keep it under control. You want to know what the original Greek actually says literally? Literally, he says, but I give myself a black eye. I pummel my body. I beat my flesh down 
so that it understands that I do not submit to your desires any longer. I have one true God that I submit to, and He is the one. And Paul says, I discipline my body and I keep it under control. But yet how many of us are walking around here as Christians going, well God, you just know who I am. You know what I do. I can't overcome this. I can't beat this. Come on somebody. And he said here, I keep it under control. Why do you do that, Paul? Paul, why do you discipline your body? Why do you run with aim? Why do you box and why do you fight with something other than air? Paul, why do you do this? Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be what? In other words, if I really believe that I can follow Jesus aimlessly, if I really believe that I cannot discipline my body and that I cannot put on holiness and I don't have to put on righteousness, the truth of the matter is, I don't care what I preach, I'm probably disqualified. And so Paul wants to make sure that the evidence is there in his life so that after he has preached, he is not disqualified, but he is indeed qualified. And so discipline is something that we have to do, something we practice. It's training that moves us toward the goal. And how many of you know that going out and exercising, how many of y'all get up and go to the gym in the mornings? Come on, somebody. Nobody gets up and goes to the gym in the mornings? Lord have mercy. All right, we got a couple here. Do you always feel like getting up and going to the gym? Do you wake up going, man, I can't wait to get to the gym to run and ride this bicycle and lift these weights? No, it's discipline. I have to do this even though I know my body don't always want to do this. The majority of time, it don't. And so discipline is training that I have to do in order to move me toward my goal. And so if we want to win a race, should we spend time every day reading a book? Or should we be out running and getting ourselves into practice? If we um, desire to play an instrument, should we get out and go for daily walks? Or should we take lessons and practice? So... It has to be discipline that moves us toward our goal. And praise be to God, He has given us discipline that accomplishes that in our life. One of them is fasting. What is fasting? In short, fasting is voluntarily going without food or any other normal, goodly, fleshly pleasure for the sake of desiring God more than whatever it is you're fasting from. And so, and we're going to learn more about that as time goes on, weeks ahead, so you'll understand this. But most of the time in the Bible, it was abstaining from food for a period of time in order to use that time to seek after God in some way. And there were purposes behind their fasting, which we'll see here in just a few minutes. But how many of you know that um, eating, for the most part, for most people, is some of the most important things in your life? The truth of the matter is, we ride motorcycles a lot, but what is our mindset on when we get on the motorcycle? Where are we going to barbecue? Yeah. Where, where are we going to stop and eat? Where is the next meal that we can stop at? Or when you leave here today, if you invite somebody to hang out with you, what are y'all going to go do? 
You're going to go to a restaurant. You're going to sit down and eat. If you uh, go out on a date somewhere, what are you going to do uh, for first thing on your date? You're going to go eat somewhere. And so the body needs food. The body enjoys food. And so ultimately what we do in fasting is we train ourselves to deny the body something it desires, something it needs fleshly and physically, in order to set that time aside to say, God, I want you more. I need you more than my daily food. I need you in my life and I need to be connected with you. And ultimately what we see in fasting is that fasting is a way to mourn our separation from God. Jesus put it like this. He told uh, the disciples of John the Baptist came up to Jesus and they said, we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples aren't fasting. And listen to what Jesus said to them. As long as the bridegroom is with them, they can't fast because I'm here. But when I'm gone, then they will fast. Now think about what He's saying there. Because I'm not separated from them, this is not a time to mourn. This is a time to celebrate. But the day will come that I am not with them anymore and I have gone away, and then they will fast again. So again, in fasting, it's a mourning of our separation from God. It's a crying out to God that I want to be with you. I want to be one with you. I want to be reconciled with you. I don't want, to be, I don't want there to be anything that hinders my relationship with you. So I set aside everything else that I enjoy to focus on you. And that is the heart of true fasting. And so this is what we are studying this morning, the spiritual discipline. Jesus taught it, Jesus practiced it, and this is something that is meant to draw you closer to God and produce godliness in your life. Now we see in the book of Acts that fasting was a practice in the early church. In Acts 13 verse 2, we see that as the church was trying to make a decision on who was going to go out and spread the gospel from the church, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and doing what? Fasting. The Holy Spirit answered their prayer. And He said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. So again, here we see this drawing near to God, this getting closer to God through this process of fasting as we set aside some temporary pleasure in some way in order to seek God with all of our hearts. So the first question, why do people or why did people in the church fast in the Bible? Well, here's what John Calvin said. Holy and legitimate fasting is directed to three ends, three reasons. We practice it either as a restraint on the flesh. So that's the first reason. We want to restrain the flesh. How many of you know what the battle with your flesh is like? That's a tough battle, ain't it? That's one of my most beautiful joys of heaven is that I don't fight with my sin anymore. I hate my sin. I hate it. And yet I know one day I won't fight with it anymore. But now I have to discipline myself to restrain the flesh. So that's number one. He says, I do this to preserve it from lewd and unrestrained behavior. Number two, end of fasting, is as a preparation for prayers or it strengthens my prayers, and we'll see how it does that in a minute. And lastly, it is a testimony of our humiliation. 
It's a testimony of our sorrow for our sin, our sorrow for our separation from God. As we forsake Him, He does not forsake us. Now, the next question I want to ask is that, where do we see this in the Bible? Well, number one, let's look at restraining the flesh. Look with me at Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 through chapter 4, verse 4. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to them, and He saw the Spirit of God descending on Him and coming to rest on Him. And then look what it says next. And behold, a voice from heaven said... Now this is the Word of God, right? Jesus is being confirmed here. God speaks and His Word says this, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. God has spoken, and if God speaks, should we consider it truth and should we consider Him faithful? Absolutely. Look what happens next. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So now, just like the first Adam, devil comes in and he tempts him. And the way he tempts him is by throwing shade on the Word of God. He said, did God really say that if you eat from this fruit, you will die? You will not die. God just knows that when you eat from it, you are going to be like Him, knowing right from wrong. And Adam and Eve believed it. They fell in sin because they didn't trust the Word of God. Everybody with me? What did the Word of God just say to Jesus? You are my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, let's see how the devil comes at him. Go to verse 2. And after fasting... So how did Jesus prepare for this battle with the devil? With this battle to make sure he doesn't fall to the flesh the way that the first Adam fell to the flesh? He fasts. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now look what he says next in verse 3. And the tempter came to him, and look what he does. If you are what? Same scenario. Nothing's changed. Here's the way Satan comes at us. Did God really say, how many of you know that we can justify our sin so fast? The world's falling to it today. God just wants you to be happy, is what the tempter says. God would, wouldn't ever try to withhold something that's in your heart. God wants you to be happy. Is that what the Word of God says? No, that's not what the Word of God says. And so the tempter comes at him here and he says, If you really are the Son of God, then command these stones to become loaves of bread. I know he just said you're his son, but you can't really trust what he says because if you're really this person, then you're hungry. Just make these stones bread. And then look what Jesus says to him next in Matthew 4 4. But he answered. What, how does he answer him? It is written. In other words, he goes back. This is what the Word of God says. You want to know how Adam and Eve could have prevented the fall? They could have looked back at the tempter and said, let me tell you what God said. God said if we eat from this, we die. And that's the end of it. Where the first Adam falls, 
The second Adam, Jesus, succeeds. Where in the first Adam, when he fell, we all fell in him and we all have the same nature. The Bible says in the second Adam, he becomes a life-giving spirit and everybody that is in him will have life. Why? Because he succeeded where the first Adam fell. If Jesus fails this test in this garden, there is no perfect righteousness for us to put on. There is no perfect sacrifice to go to the cross because He's no different than Adam and Eve in the garden. If Jesus fails this test, there is no salvation. You better believe if there was one test that Jesus had to pass, this was it. And how did Jesus prepare for it? He fasted. Now let me ask you a question. If the way Jesus prepares for battle with His flesh. Because how many of you know He was hungry? You ever been 40 days and 40 nights without food? He's hungry. You don't think His flesh is crying out right now? All i got to do is turn these rocks into bread. He's right. You better believe His flesh is crying out with everything. But He relies on the Word of God and He trusts God. And because of that, He succeeds. How did He succeed? He restrained his flesh by practicing the discipline of fasting. And yet, we wonder why we fall to our flesh so many times. Could it be that we are missing out on one of the key disciplines that God gave us in order to produce godliness in our lives? Could I be right on that? So yes, I believe the Bible absolutely teaches us that to restrain the flesh, we are given disciplines such as this. Just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, I don't beat the air, I don't box aimlessly, I don't run with, without going for a prize. I discipline my body and I keep it under control. How do I do that? Fasting is like spiritual weightlifting. Fasting is where your body is crying out, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, give me food, give me food. And yet, you are looking with your spirit saying, I don't submit to you. I submit to God. Spiritual weightlifting. And the more you practice in your life that your flesh is being kept under control, the stronger you get in the spirit. And the more able you are when the tempter comes to say, this is what the Word of God says, and this is what I'm going to do. See, that's, that's what I deal with as a pastor today. Y'all ain't got nowhere to be, do you? <clears throat> I'm going to be a while. This is what I deal with as a pastor for years. And God forgive me, I'm talking about most of you. <laughs> And I'm talking about myself, all right? But I can't tell you how many times I've tried to counsel you. You were in the toughest times of your life, and I've tried to direct you, and I've tried to give you godly guidance, and I've tried to, to point you in the right direction. But how many of you know that when you are in the middle of the trial, your emotions are on high alert? And it's so easy for you to just say, I don't care. I'm going to do what I feel like I need to do. The problem is that your flesh has so much power and so much control over you. 
And I have tried to counsel over the years so many times, and I plead with people, just, just be patient, settle down. Listen, this is what the Word of God says. This is the direction you need to go. This is the path you need to take. And I'm gentle, and I'm kind, and I'm trying, and I'm trying. But do you want to know how many times people actually really listen to me in the trials? You laugh for a reason. And let me put myself in that category. You want to know how many times me as the pastor that I listen to the way of God other than my flesh when I'm in the midst of the trial? A lot of times, not very often. And you want to know why I believe that is? It's because Jesus, I'm just like the disciples. You remember what Jesus told the disciples when they couldn't stay awake to pray? He said, the Spirit is willing, but what? And that's our problem too. Fasting is something that you and I need because we need to let our flesh know that you are not in control. God is in control. You need to be lifting weights in such a way that your spirit man is looking like Derek Malone over here. <clears throat> looking like you get up and go to the gym every morning. but we don't practice the very things that God has put in our lives to be able to strengthen the Spirit. And we live our Christian lives day after day after day without the spiritual disciplines that actually train us toward godliness and help us put on the new man. <clears throat> Number two, to strengthen prayers. To strengthen prayers. This is what we see next. Look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Now, I'm not telling you that when we pray that God, or when we fast, that God is obliged and He has to, to do what we're fasting for. But I am telling you this, but Jesus told us this and when you fast, and notice what He didn't say right here. He didn't say, if you fast. He said, disciples, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. What are you talking about, Jesus? Well, they disfigure their faces and they want everybody to know that I'm fasting. Don't do that. Truly, I say to you what? What does that tell you about fasting? There is a reward. For genuinely seeking God, for genuinely having a heart that wants to seek Him and wants to set aside fleshly desires, even, as, even though they're not necessary. Now let me say this. Fasting, I'm not talking about fasting from your sinful things. <laughs> That's not fasting. That's called repentance. <laughs> fasting is when you put off things that normally may not necessarily be evil or sinful in and of themselves. Eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day is not, is not bad. Depends on how you're doing it. <laughs> but it is still something that I put this aside because I want my desires to be for God first. And as a result for that, the Bible says that there is a reward for that. But if you don't do it the right way, you're going to receive your reward in a different way, right? So I am saying that yes, fasting strengthens your prayers. If there is something in your life that you are really praying for, maybe it's the salvation of your child. I don't know. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your... Uh, you, you name it. But there's something in your life right now that you are just praying for. 
I'm going to tell you, there is a way to strengthen that prayer. Fasting is a way to take that slugger and hit that thing like a home run to, to send it to the heavens. Now again, I'm not telling you that God is going to give you everything you fast for. That's not what fasting is about. But I am telling you that He tells us very plainly that there is a reward for it. Let me show you another example. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Look what it says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. If I gave you all that one. And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He does what? Rewards those who do what? Who seek Him. Some versions say He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Wouldn't you say fasting is a way to diligently seek the Lord? God, I'm setting this aside to focus this time. It may just be one meal a day. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks, about how you fast and the rewards of fasting. That's the way this series is going to go. So don't think you're getting it all today. This is just the intro. But the point is this. If you are weak in your flesh, if the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak. Good gracious, I bet that describes the majority of y'all in here, does it not? The Spirit is so willing. God, I so want to be pleasing to You. God, I so want to follow You. I so want to be right with You. But the flesh is so weak. If that's you, fasting is a discipline that you need in your life. And I would advise you to seek it out. I would advise you to keep coming back and learning from it. If you're one of those that have prayers in your life that, that you desire for God to hear these prayers, these things are so important to you, then fasting is a way to add to it. And I have many biblical examples of this, especially in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. You saw that in Acts chapter 13 where the church was trying to figure out who we send out, how do we get the gospel out of here and get it to the ends of the earth because that was their mission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And they're all sitting there in that early church going, how do we do this? God, how do we do this? And how do they, how do they strengthen their prayers to God that He would lead them and guide them and show them? They fasted. And they fasted together. And as they fasted together, the Holy Spirit spoke. And they were all in agreement, in one accord, and they heard the Holy Spirit when He said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for me. And you remember what Barnabas and Saul did for the gospel? They turn the world upside down. And so, if there is some kind of prayer in your life that you are seeking the Lord on, something, something that you just need the Lord to hear you, fasting is a good way to strengthen that prayer. And remember, God rewards those who diligently seek Him. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to pick up next week, and we'll see where we go from here. This may be a... This may be a six or seven week series. We may be talking about fasting on Easter, even though we're not going to fast on Easter, okay? But <clears throat> I pray that you would at least be open. And in this book I'm reading, there is a call to repentance at the end. And the question is, will you confess your fear of fasting? And will you repent of that? Because how many of you, when the preacher starts talking about fasting, y'all going, oh. Yeah, I don't do that, preacher. I hear you. I hear you. When the Lord started talking to me about it, I was going, Oh, Lord. I'm not good at this, Lord. I'm not good at fasting. When my belly says, Come on to KFC, I'm going to KFC. That's just where it is. 
<clears throat> but I want you to know that we have a responsibility to train ourselves to produce godliness. And fasting is one way that God has given us. It is the spiritual exercise that you and I need to accomplish godliness, holiness, and righteousness in our lives if it is done correctly. <laughs>